Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. Turn to somebody and say, who side you on anyway? Who side you on anyway? Trusting him for some great things today. I really am. This message, boy, don't y'all appreciate them, don't you? Let's just thank God for them, man. I, I appreciate you. Anybody here for the first time today? Anybody here for the first time? It's your first time at Potter's Hope. I done had, let's thank God for Luke and his bride over here. Thank God. Anybody else here for the first time? We got something for you. Turn to somebody and say, the bread is back. Yeah, if you're here, you don't want to miss out on that for sure. I'm going to give y'all something, man, and uh, you may want to get your pen out. There'll be some stuff, I think. That'll be a help to you. And uh, this has been cooking in me, man, for a pretty good while. I really, I, I'm going to title it loosely, just simply the unlikelies. The unlikelies. I preached something similar uh, probably a few months. I don't know. It's been a while back. But I've got four. There's four people. We, we, we're going to condense something into about, I don't know, it's 10 to 20 hours here between the crucifixion and y'all are thinking we're going to be here 10 to 20 hours. No, I'm going somewhere. Y'all hanging on. <laughs> we're going to use the time of the crucifixion and, and the time that Jesus was, was placed in the tomb. But I see four different people, if you will, or categories of people that I think that the church is missing today. And when I call them the unlikeliest, how many of y'all believe that you was the most unlikely? Huh? You believe the world said, you ain't got a chance, you ain't got all this, you felt like Moses, you know, all this stuff and everything. There's just so many things in your life that you feel that way. There's some revelation in what I'm saying because, I, you know, when we think about the believer, we think about the, we think about the church. We, we think about Acts 1 and 2 and the way that the Holy Spirit came and Pentecost came. And when did those people really believe? When did they really become the church? When did they really become believers? Because really, if you look, if you look through the Gospels and you see that Jesus walked with him for three, three and a half years, you see that, man, you can walk with him, you can talk with him, you can even heal in his name, and in the end, so this has been somewhat of a controversy, man, within my soul for years. And I'm like, when does the believer really solidify the walk with Christ? And what I'm thinking, because here's where we're at. Right here where I'm at. All right, you know right here when it says this, when it says, so we've got these two criminals that's on the cross. Jesus is in the middle. And the word tells us this. So here we are. Christ is being crucified right now. We're up today. We know where we're at. And you're looking at this. And I see something here, man, in this criminal that probably indicates that he was a real believer. And we think that we've got to go to church. We think, and by the way, you need to do all this. But I'm going to, I'm going to show you just the simpleness. This is a simple faith that we can see. And we complicate all this stuff. And if we could just take a look at this thief on the cross, we're going to take a look at the thief on the cross. We're going to take a look at the centurion. We're going to take a look at those faithful women. And we're going to take a look at Joseph of Arimathea. And these are four people or four classes of people, if you will, that I think they got it for Peter and... And the rest of them got it. Now, I understand that you probably, some of you going to dis, and that's okay. We'll talk about this afterwards. How many of you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are a child of the king? And four people hand clapping. How many of you all know that you ain't going to hell and you going to heaven? 
turn to somebody and say, Jesus plus nothing. This is where the thief on the cross shows us a paramount peace. He has the conversation with the other guy that's here. And just as he's turning over here, he's doing that. If Jesus is in the middle, he has to look out past Jesus and say, hey. Just love it. Hey. They're ragging Jesus. They're doing all this. And he said, hey, we're going to get what we deserve. Would you stop? And there's Jesus right in the middle of all of it. And as he's doing this, you've got to figure out which side you're on and whose side you're on. Because as they're hearing every bit of the stuff, the thief is on the cross. We'll get through this quick. thief is on the cross. He's hearing all these things. And then he hears this guy down here say, hey, if you're Jesus, why don't you get us down and get yourself down like you're talking about. And by the way, everybody's telling you, hey, all this stuff about you destroying the temple and raising it again. If you are who you say you are, then get us down and get you down. Listen, for most of my Christian walk, that's exactly what the church has been trying to do is to take him off the cross instead of admitting their guilt. I'm going somewhere. What this thief on the cross did that was so powerful is he said, hey, we're getting what we deserve, but this man, he ain't done nothing. And you see, so many times we've been blaming Jesus for all of this stuff and telling him, what do you mean you can't deliver like you said you deliver? Can I tell you something? I serve a God that still delivers. Listen, it may not be in your season, but you can't tell me that my God don't heal. That my You can't tell me that. How do I know that? Can anybody testify that you've been healed and you know that it was? I wish five people would get that. How many of y'all been healed? How? Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming. I seen a girl get healed Wednesday night. Come on. Tell them what Jesus did for you Wednesday night. He saved me. Come on, somebody. Give him some praise. Huh? Let me tell you where he went. See, what she did is that something happened after church. How many of y'all know a lot of things happen after church? Because you come for an appointment. She stayed for the anointing. Uh Uh-oh. See, what happened is that truth lingered when every bit of the church left. Uh Uh-oh. And what happened is somebody was having a conversation. And they said, well, I'm this and I'm that. And then she came to the truth just like the thief did. Because for years, the devil let her think she was saved. Well, I think I got this. I thought I got that. People told me I was. Can I tell you, just because they tell you you are, doesn't mean you are. Woo! This man, the same way that she got it Wednesday night, And maybe it takes the church leaving. I'm telling you, everybody that's going to preach because this is what the church ain't seeing. I want you to look at the verbiage that he uses here. This thief on the cross, he said, hey, we're getting what we deserve. This man didn't do nothing. And then he does this. And I like what the King James said. Then he said unto Jesus, Lord. Somebody say, Lord. Lord. Now, you want a Savior, but you don't understand Lord. See, everybody wants a ministry. It's the reason there's so many renegades and mustangs in ministry. is because, listen, you want to be the master of the universe. Uh-oh. And forget that he's the master of it all. When you say Lord, you're saying master. That word is curios. It means supreme authority. It means everything is yours. And when he says, Lord, right then, Christy, he's beginning to surrender. Lord, this is so beautiful. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. What is he seeing? He's seeing what everybody else is trying to shout. He said, when you come into your kingdom, what is he seeing? He's seeing what the church is missing. How many of y'all know that we live in the kingdom of God? Some of y'all like right now, I live in Emerson County. I live in Butler County. I live, we're praying for y'all. I'm just kidding, man. We've got all kinds of folks in here from every other county. The Word of God said that the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, but in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. 
then if you really want to know what the kingdom of God is, it's all about righteousness and obedience in Him. It's not about how high I wear my hair or, ladies, how long you wear your skirts. Cover yourself. Can I tell you? It's not about that. It's Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if He's in you, He'll come out of you. He's too big for you to contain. The beauty of this is that when He says that, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And where are the disciples? He'd been preaching Larry. He'd been preaching to him for three, three and a half years. Lance, he's telling them all this stuff. The kingdom of God has come now on you. The kingdom of God. The kingdom. And they're like. He's telling them in John 14. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And then they say, well, show us the Father and it'll suffice us. And Jesus said, what? I've been with you all this time and you still don't know the Father? He's preached the kingdom of God for three or three and a half years, and they gone. Like most church people. I really hope y'all get mad at me today. I want to push every button you got, Jack. Because I want you to quit church so that God can raise the body. Come on, somebody. If we'll get to that place. So what he did, Bo, was this. Is that when he said that, he's seeing something that they missed. We're at the point he's on the cross. He ain't said it is finished. Here he is. He's there, Kathy, and all these things in the simplicity. Remember me when you come into the kingdom. He's seeing a kingdom and they're not. I need more than that. He's seeing past his death on the cross. He believes he is who he says he is. Oh, let me help somebody. Huh? We live in a time right now to where nobody wants to admit guilt. Watch this. I'm a liar. I tell stories. Stay with me. Would you be real enough before God and be clear enough to clear more than your conscience but to clear your soul and say, you know what? These eyes have went to places. My mouth... Oh, wait a minute. I did that because she did this. Oh, I did that because he did that. I don't care. That's the same thing that he was telling the, which side you on? He can't clear the guilty until the, until the guilty admit they're guilty. Guilty before God. Why isn't the church free? Uh, you know, pastor, I just can't forgive him. But, oh, glory, I'm going to heaven. And you're still hating on people and dating the devil. And you're expecting, oh, look at my It ain't happening, Jack. When you get to this place, I'm not, listen, I'm, I want to be real with you today. You need to come before God. I need to come before God and say, God, forgive me. I am guilty. Do you know how many alcoholics, quote, alcoholics, that I've seen that were so teetotally drunk. I grew up in the home of an alcoholic. It was a separated home. It became a segregated home. It was a devil-filled home. It was all of this. And you can say what you want to. But they will tell you this. And, and they'll tell you, you know, 12 steps. I'm not against all that stuff. I've got to tell you this. But I know who my higher power is. And his name is Jesus. Can I get a witness in the house? Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's call him who he is. Now. Until you come to that place, it's more than having a problem. You've got sin in your life. Don't call a tangerine a banana. Let's call it what it is. You've got a problem looking at women. Now, here's what, here's what men will do. They'll cop out. Oh, now, 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 pastor, you know, Lord don't mind us looking at something pretty. Are you married? And we'll say things, well, there ain't nothing wrong with saying, oh, she's a beautiful creature. If I said that in front of my wife, Jack. See, y'all don't want to get real with it. And when you, listen, you can't get, listen, you got to clear yourself of the guilt. And listen, when you do that, the only way you do it, you can't church it out. You can't even pray it out. It's got to be the blood that washes it out. And when you, I'm going somewhere, please stay with me. He saw something. The thief on the cross saw what they missed. 
Let me show you something. When I said Jesus plus nothing, how many of y'all believe, according to the Word of God, that this thief made it to heaven? I can't wait to see him. Don't y'all want to do this with him, bump something with him? Man, dog, you give me such strength. You get there, you want to do that. Let me show you something. When I say Jesus plus plus nothing, was he baptized, yes or no? As a weak no. Was he baptized? Did he do the Lord's Supper? Did he pray the Lord's Prayer? Was he confirmed? I'm not done. Oh, what about this one? Did he have any of the gifts other than the gift of eternal life? I said Jesus plus nothing. Because you want, here's what happened. Oh, I want them gifts, man. I want them gifts. And you got a guilty soul. God can't dwell. God can't dwell there. In that way, listen, I've got to tell you something. I just want the anointing. Pray for the habitation and it'll change your life. So now we went down about four of these. We talk about these sacraments. Stay with me. All right, so did he do any works? Did he help an old lady across the street? Did That's a weak no. Did he have any works? I've just went through the majority of the list. That people say, well, if I do good enough, if I do, if I do enough good, I'm going to make it. If I get baptized, the water, can I tell you, the water will never, ever, ever supersede the blood of Jesus Christ. Ever. Is it necessary? He said, he that believeth in is baptized. Now, when I say all these things, I'm not, I'm not preaching against your communion. I'm not preaching against the Holy Ghost confirming your soul and sanctification. I'm not saying any of that. But what I'm saying is this. Let's do the first thing and get it to be the right thing. He's seeing the kingdom of God. Everybody else is missing him. And he says, you're it. And you can't wait for Maverick City to come out with a new album. Let me move on. When you pray, hold on a minute. Let me preach out what I'm talking about. I don't need another lyric. Am I thankful for him? Yes. But can I tell you that when I gaze at the cross at Calvary and I see that every bit of my sin was forgiven, I'm zero to 90, Jack, in three seconds. Realizing that I am bought, I'm paid for, I'm redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love me some praise, man. You all know that. But the real part of this, there's nothing there. Well, hold on a minute, Pastor. No purgatory. No beads. No send in your $50 and I'll send you some miracle water. You all got to hear me. Because there's too many thieves still on the cross that... The thief saw, not both of them, turn to somebody again and say, which side are you on? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. The same word used that Paul uses. Then he said, I once knew a man that was caught up into the third heaven. And he begins to talk about that. And he begins to speak things. He said, I began to speak things that you couldn't even utter. He begins to talk about the very presence of God. It goes past atmospheric. It goes past the stellar heavens. It goes further than the Hubble telescope can see. It's the very throne room of God. I believe what Jesus said. Today you'll be with me in paradise, in the presence of God. Somebody said, I can't wait. Why don't you get it done today? What do you mean? Can I tell you, instead of wait to get to heaven, why don't you realize heaven is here with you? The joy, I know that it's joy unspeakable, full of glory. I understand all of that, but can I tell you something? Christians ought to experience some heaven right now. My kingdom come. As in earth, as it is in... Listen, y'all little religious peoples. Let me move on. Stay with me a minute. 
What did he have? He had belief. He had belief that he is who he said that he was. He believed in the kingdom. I believe that he believed in the resurrection. And when he said, remember me, he'd heard the people say, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up again. He's hearing all of that. He's hearing all these things on the cross. What did he have? What did he have that every man must have in order to be saved is truth. And the truth is that you and I are sinless creatures. And Jesus Christ came with the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile sinful man back to a holy God. Done. Period. Over. This thief on the cross was a believer. Yes or no? The Word says this very thing that is it speaking about him. I believe not only if you want a new if you want a new outlook on life, you need to have a new inlook on life. Everybody says, I just need a new outlook. Let me tell you what will help you with your outlook is your inlook. That no doubt over the past 17, 20, I don't know ever how long you put the number in there. You're thinking, man, how is this going to end? Can I tell you, it's already over. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Can I get a witness? That's who he is. Every bit of my life. Do you realize what the thief on the cross was doing? He was putting every bit of his stock. He said, well, he was desperate. That's what the church needs to get. Is desperate and say we're guilty. I gotta go to the next point. Y'all gonna leave. The word of God, the centurion. The centurion. Look at verses 50 through 54. This really pricked my heart several months back because I'm looking for the first believers, right? Lance, I'm looking for those that first believed. And I look at this centurion. So the thief on the cross believed he could save him. He's seen the kingdom of God. But now look here. So this is the thing. When the word says, Jesus, when he had cried aloud with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. The earthquake, the rocks rent, the graves were opened, and many bodies of the, Jared, all of them, said the, many bodies of the saints which slept were rose after the resurrection. And they went into the holy city. Verse 54. Now when the centurion... And they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquakes and those things that were done. They feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Next step. They see the earthquaking. They see, listen, the Lord turned the lights off. Three hours, right? From 12 to 3, it's dark. A preview of what's to come. What life would be like without Jesus. So here this is, and they're seeing all these things and the veil of the temple written in twain top to bottom. And then this centurion, which was under Roman rule, was of the Roman authority. All of these things, Rick, there he is. And what's he doing? They listen. The disciples didn't get. Now hold on a minute, Pastor, because it says in Matthew, it says in Matthew 16, then when it says when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? Well, Peter had it, right? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Where's Peter at right now? Gone. Gone. You see, I want to tell you something. You can be anointed. He said, listen, flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. You can have revelation. You can have impartation. And would you believe that you can still miss salvation? Wow. Wow. So when you look a little bit deeper, but he looks at all of this, and it wasn't just him, Courtney. It was all those that were with him that said, truly, this was the Son of God. What was the big issue with Jesus? The two false witnesses that come when they were in Caiaphas's hall, that when they came, there were two things the false witnesses said. He said, this man said he would destroy the temple. He did say that. Not just once, but several times in Scripture. Not only that, and they said also this, and they basically equated it in this word. They said, not only that, but he's blaspheming against God. He's making himself to be one with God. He's saying he's the son of God. Did he do that? Absolutely. He didn't back up. He didn't mince words. When he came on the scene, Luke, he let him know what his mission was. In John 5, he said, my meat is to do, or my purpose is to do the will of the Father. He said, when I hear the Father, I do what the Father tells me to do. Hello, church. Hello, church. 
This is big. But we've got a centurion here. Now listen, I want you to get something. It implies, and I want you to notice in each one of these, listen, it, it appears that the, the, that the thief on the cross, according to that, was saved. I hope I see him when I get there, even when I've laid this out before. But what I've got to tell you, listen, say implied faith is not applied faith. This is important. You're in church today. People say, oh, I've seen their car at church. They're a Christian. Really? Really? Well, it's implied. I'm going somewhere. This is much of the church's issue today. Just because you're in church, just because you know the lyric, the song, you sing it, you teach it, you preach it, and everything else, implied faith is not enough. You've got to have applied faith. Applied faith is active faith. Can I? I'll raise up some of these youngins in the house. Excuse me, God will raise up some of these youngins in the house. Implied faith, just because it's there. You know what? <laughs> if, you see me at, if you see me at McDonald's, does that make me a hamburger? No, I just tell you I'm hungry. Can I tell you something? Implied faith. It's not enough. It's got to be applied faith. Doc, I believe I'm spot on with this one because I think much of the church has an implied faith but not an applied faith. This centurion said truly. He didn't say possibly. He didn't say maybe. And I think it was more than that. What would have prompted that? It is finished. And he says, truly, this man was the Son of God. He was a righteous man. Listen, Scripture will line that up in the Gospels. Now, when you begin to think about this, you say, well, what did the thief on the cross have to lose? Maybe not a whole lot. He had everything to gain. The other one lost it all. But when you begin to think about the next step, what about this one? What about, what about the man? What about the centurion? What? Oh, you, hmm? Hold on a minute. You're under Roman jurisdiction. Do I need to preach this that? Don't you tell me I can't pray. Don't you tell me I can't witness. Huh? How many of y'all done figured out? Listen, this is the key. He destroyed the temple and the spiritual. You understand that. But the thing is, this is where the church has got to get to. Not only to identify that he was the son of God, but that we are the sons and daughters of God. That we have a humble hierarchy through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you miss this, you missed identity and authority. You better get out of here, devil. Who are you? You better get now. Amy, turn on the praise music. They'll leave. Until you know you're a child of God, until you know your identity, you won't have any authority. What you'll continue to do is what so much of the church is doing right now. It's barring somebody else's prayer and barring fire from... A lot deeper than what i got time to get into. But this centurion, he's seeing what the church didn't see. Oh, no, I know here. Now, look, now let me, let me get this right. Up to this point, listen, John, we know that John is there. Larry, I want to be right. I want, I'm going to be technical with this because we know that John is there. All right, to this point, the thief's on the cross, but now things are shifting. We know John's there. Listen, Mary's there with them because Jesus is going to entrust Mary, his mother, to John. We know that. Where's the rest of the church? Somebody better go ahead and say grace right now because that's what we need is grace. Where are the true sons and daughters of God? I got a lot, man. I got to get through this. To Rome, this is the thing you've got to understand that when he's preaching on this level, to Rome, that when he was before Pilate, Pilate had a question, are you a king? Why? Because he was a threat. The same way today in the United States of America, if Jesus Christ is king, we got a problem. But how many of you know that we kingdom people, not worldly people? 
The world going to fail and fall, Jack. But the kingdom going to roll on. That was the problem. To the Jews, it wasn't, are you a king? To the Jews, it was this simple thought. Are you the son of God? Tell us. The word of God says in 1 John 4, 15 and 16. Because Jesus had equated himself to be equal with the Father. The word of God reminds us of this. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love of God, or that the love that God hath to us, that God is love, and he dwells in those that love God, those that do that, and God in him. Next step. I think that he's seen something that they missed. Third bunch of people. Matthew chapter 27, 55 and 56. And many women were there beholding but far off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him. And among them was Mary Magdalene. She had some stuff. And Mary, I said had, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. I've got the thief on the cross. I've got the centurion. And now I'm going to tell you what the church needs. They need some faithful women. That when every one of the guys done cat it out and they're gone, I'll get to Joseph in a minute. Let me give a little bit of a prelim. So Joseph is going to beg the body here in just a minute. That'll be my last point. He's going to beg the body. He's going to do that. But do you notice these women? Mary, in which knew that seven devils were cast out of her. Then the other Mary, that was uh, the mother of two other disciples, and then Salome, which was the mother of two other disciples. And so here they are. And notice where they're at. They're not gone. They're just too far off. I really prayed. When I was asking God, I said, God, I said, you've got to help me here because I know he was putting all this together. And I said, what's the purpose of these ladies? Can you imagine? So they're waiting. And Joseph, I'm going to get a little bit ahead of myself. Joseph, they're going to seal the stone. All that stuff's going to come. And here's these women over here. The Word of God says that here they are sitting across from that, sitting away from that, and they're just waiting. They're not running. They're not doing anything. Now, understand that if Jesus died at 3 o'clock on the cross, we know that he was dead then. There's a quick thing that has to happen because, what, the Passover's coming. We've got to get all this done. All of these things have got to happen. So you know that they're getting it quick. All this is going on. And then these women are right here, and they're waiting. Stone's been rolled up there. Lord, what are they doing? How many of y'all know what a midwife is? I was praying. I said, Lord, show me. He said, that's them midwives. Those people that are waiting. They know something good's getting ready to come out of that. Uh-oh. This is what the church needs. There's more to this, much more to this message. But I'm going to tell you that as they are there, Mary Magdalene, listen, Mary of Magdalene, she didn't run off. They didn't do this. They're waiting there. And this is powerful. You see that. And the other were sitting over against that sepulcher. And you know the crazy thing is that they did leave, but they waited. What did they see that the others didn't? He said he was going to rise again. Uh Uh-oh. Now, as simple as this sounds, they're already seeing something that nobody else is seeing except the ones I previously mentioned. When you begin to grasp this and you start seeing things differently, and I start seeing things differently is when things begin to shift in our life. So the word says that when all of that came, we know that they went back, they did that. They got part of Friday, part of Saturday. And then Matthew 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as began to draw toward the dawn, the first day of the week, then came who? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. I'm almost to the point. Hang on. She come back. She's a midwife. She come back to check and to see, is it time yet? Is it time yet? She's believing that Jesus is going to do exactly what he said he would do. She could have very well run off. These are deep points for you to ponder. But I'm going to get you to the last one. What about Joseph? The Word of God says in Matthew 27, 57 through 60, that when the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. 
And this is the line that has got me for several weeks. He begged the body of Jesus. And when he begged the body of Jesus, then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And Joseph had taken the body. He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in the tomb. He did all of those things. But why? Let me give you some facts real quick. And this is worth you noting. There's some things that we can find out through Scripture. The Word of God says even in the Gospels, in Mark chapter 15, 43 through 46, we can see that Joseph was an honorable counselor. When you see that in verse 43, Larry, it says, which also waited for the kingdom of God. Now you've got to understand that he's waiting for the kingdom. The Word goes on to say this. He went on into the body. He went boldly unto Pilate. And then the word doesn't say begged. It says craved the body of Jesus. In Luke 23, Joseph is said to be a counselor. And he was a good man and just. He was the one the word said that it considered not to the counsel of those that even put him on the cross of the Jewish Sanhedrin. He was part of the Sanhedrin. But the word says also there that he was one of those that also... He was the one that was waiting for the kingdom of God. Do you see how this is narrowing down? It's those that are seeing the kingdom of God. So what can I get? He was a rich man. He was an honorable counselor. He was waiting for the kingdom of God. He did not agree with the counsel that put him there on the cross. He didn't agree with Caiaphas. He didn't agree with the high priest there. He didn't do that. But see, there's one thing, and most people that when you study this out, You'll find that, there, you all know this, but there were two groups within the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Most believe that Joseph was a Pharisee. And the difference in the two is this, is that the Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection, but the Pharisees did. He believed in the resurrection. And when you begin to see that, is there something more that he's seeing? The Word even says this. That Joseph was a disciple of Jesus Christ. But not openly because of the fear of the Jews. Stay with me. I'm going to show you something that changed that day. The same way that it needs to change in our life today. The Word of God says in Isaiah 53 that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. He was led as a sheep unto slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. Listen, that it even pleased the Father to bruise him. But the Word of God also said not only was he numbered with the transgressions, which proves the thief. But it says something here about Joseph some seven to 800 years before. The very point, Bruce, where we are. And he said that he would make his grave with the rich. Joseph, according to Scripture, was a rich man. The Word of God said, and you had to be a rich man to have your own tomb. Why? Because back in that day it was catacomb type style, mass grave style, those type of things. But this was a rich man's tomb. So I'm asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, I, all this stuff, and here's Joseph. Why is he begging the body of Jesus? Could it be that he's seen John chapter 12, and maybe he was there. Listen now, I want to say maybe, just listen. Did he, did he understand that unless a corn of wheat falls into the ground and dies, that it can't bring forth? Could it be the fact that Joseph seen something that everybody else was missing? And he begged the body of Jesus. Why? Because had that not happened, Jesus would have been thrown into the valley of Gehenna or Hinman, Hinman, that he would have been placed there. It would have been a mass grave and nobody cared. But did Joseph see something more? Does the church see something more? Praise team, will you come? I'm almost done. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus wasn't the only one buried that day. Now, this is important. 
Say, Jesus wasn't the only one buried that day. Oh, the thief on the cross. No. Let me show you. Let me show you something deeper. I want you to look at the risk Joseph of Arimathea was taking. He comes and begs to Pilate, anybody, what are you doing even, what do you mean? But he begged the body. He craved the body. Why? Because what other people seen as lifeless, he's seen as hope. I'm getting ready to preach to the church. That's the reason I came. You may be here today, and hell keeps telling you that you're lifeless. You may be lifeless, but you're not hopeless. Can I get a witness in this house? You and I have, Bill, this was something deeper. Can you imagine him going? Can you imagine him going into Pilate's hall or going in there and begging and saying, I need the, what do you need the body of Jesus? I don't even know if he's dead yet. He said, no, he is. And can I tell you, he takes these pieces. And by the way, Nicodemus is with him. Remember Nick at night, John 3, another story. Here he is. They wrap him in that. And can you imagine taking that body off the cross and people saying, what are you doing? And he takes the lifeless body of Christ. If there's any fluid left in him, it's leaking on his shoulder. And when everybody else is gone and says it's over, it was all a fluke, it was all a lie, there's Joseph. Just give me his body. Just give me his body. Here's what I've got for you today. Are you willing to risk it all? Let me show you behind the scenes what he's risking. He's risking his position in the Sanhedrin. He's risking his wealth. He's risking everything. For something that somebody called dead. Why are you serving Jesus? He's a, he's, why you serve God? He's a dead God. I'll risk all my reputation. I'll risk everything. And they hear Holy Ghost saying, beg the body of Jesus. Tell religion to let him go. Tell Pilate he can't have him. But the real part of this is that the church don't want what it takes. Scripture said he was a secret disciple until that day. Things changed that day. I'll ask you if you'll do the same. He buried his religion. He buried his wealth. He buried his fear. He buried his position. He went all out to be all in. Well, if I speak the name of Jesus, it may get me fired at work. How many of y'all know that Jesus got another job for you? Not just a job. Somebody shout, better job. <laughs> Some of y'all going to go into work tomorrow. And pastor said, I need a better job. And Jake, what he does is that at that very moment, he begins to beg the body of Jesus. And Jesus is not the only thing that's buried. He's burying everything. His position in church. His position in the council. Let me show you a continuum in the Lord. 
me show you some continual. So the word of God says in Luke 1, 34 and 35, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. The angel said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also shall that holy thing which shall be born of thee, he going to be called the Son of God. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her, and Amy, she conceived. There was purity in the womb. And you know what? <laughs> I'm always attracted to this part. We said, and I love the way that, the, that Luke records it here. He said, and this holy thing. How many of y'all know that when you're born again, you didn't understand all? He said, I don't know. I just got this holy thing going. You don't understand it all, and neither do I. But there's something changing, right? So when you look at that, look at the continuum real quick, that as we look at this, there's this holiness here. The Holy Spirit is moving there. And then what happens? Why a rich man's tomb? Why a tomb that nobody else had laid in purity? Because the Word of God says, But if the Spirit, in Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body, Steve, and by His Spirit that dwells in you. It's the whole spirit that's getting ready to raise him up. In closing. The thief on the cross. Which side are you on? Number two, is he the son of God? Do you know your identity? Do you understand your authority in Christ? Number three, I want to tag something up about these women. Those women that were there, turn to somebody and say, you need a contraction coach. How many of y'all ever went to Lamaze classes? Okay. I didn't. How many of you wished you had of? Here's what you need. This is important for the church. You need a contraction coach in your life. That when you're going through the tough times, the hard times, those times when you feel like you can't go on. We need faithful women and men. And men. You think, what is going on? What's going on? I feel like all the life is being squeezed out of me. Exactly. Somebody shout life. That's what's going on. Not death, but he's squeezing life out of you. And you're bringing life, new things. New things, almost done. For Joseph took the death of his body to bring the birth to his body. Scripture would tell us that he was wounded beyond recognition. That his body was marred. And when I think about this, Shannon, when I think about this, there he was. He was so wounded they couldn't even recognize him. And I think about this in our church. I think about this in God's people. Is there so many times sharing what happens in our life? Is there sometimes we're wounded? People say, are you okay? You don't even look like yourself. You don't even act like yourself. And you're wounded beyond recognition. But you're wounded beyond recognition, but not beyond being healed. You're cast down, depressed, discouraged, but not destroyed. And this thought, Scripture would allow this. So there's Peter. What's Peter say? Hey, Jesus, listen, they come after you. You know what I'm going to do? You know, I'm going to jail with you, Jesus. Peter's gone. Not before he cuts off Malchus' ear. The last healing that I see recorded in Scripture before, before the cross is God healing somebody's ear, healing their hearing. Hello? He still wants to do that. There he is, and listen, he's willing to go to jail with him, Amy. Let's go further than that. Let's go to Thomas. Let's look at Thomas's life. Thomas is the one that said, Jesus said, well, I'm going to Jerusalem. Thomas is the one that said, okay, go on. well, let's all go with him so we can die with him. Peter is ready to go to jail with him. Thomas said, I'm ready to die with him, but only Joseph was ready to be buried with him. Are you willing to be buried with him? Because if you're not buried with him, you will not rise with him because you'll count on your riches. You'll count on your religion. You'll count on your position. Oh, I'm going to come out of this. Can I tell you something? There's a grave you can't, count of, can't come out of called hell that only Jesus Christ can separate you from. 
When you get to that place and you say it's all Him. When you look at this Joseph, I believe he, listen guys, he risked it all. I'm done. Lord, I love you. I'm so thankful. Listen, I, I, I don't want hands up. I, just, I know you're already praying. It's not about your hands being up. I want you to really lift your heart to God. Can you say it's just Him? Can you clear right now? Can you come in just a moment and say, Father, forgive me. Jesus, forgive me. I want to leave here clear of all guilt and sin today. Would you go a step further and say, I want to be born again. I see you. For those of you today that have been living under the promises instead of living by the promises, seeing that you're a son, you're a daughter of God. Identity, authority. Now this should be something to all of us because we're the body. Today as I'm begging the body, I'm craving for the body of Christ. What, what so many times that hell has tried to tell me and you both, the church is lifeless. I'm tired of hell telling me that, trying to preach that to me. We have life today in Christ Jesus. And how many of you today can just say, you know what, I want to be buried with him. I want to be buried with him so I can rise with I'm going to ask if the intercessors now, if you just go ahead, those of you that would just pray. Some of you that say, you know what, I want to be one of those people that helps somebody else make it through something. Would you all go ahead right now and slip out of your seat and come on up and begin to bathe this altar? Some of you ladies, some of you gentlemen that will be bold enough, brave enough to say that. Would you come and say, I want to be one of those that helps somebody when they feel like the life is being squeezed out of them. Are there no men? I'm not being condemning at all. But I'm thankful for some godly men that were in my life that when I was going through it, they said, guess what? This ain't the end. This is the beginning. You feel like right now hell is choking you down and trying to tell you everything that you can't be, won't be, or anything else. But how many of us now will bury that body so that the church can rise? Now, how many of you know today that you've got to bury something? I've got to bury my life in Christ. You may be here today and you say, you know what, I don't know him. I don't know him. I've been buried in religion. I'm buried in church. I'm buried in Sunday school. And by the way, this ain't a message for just the front five rows. It's for the back five rows too. It's for the middle rows too. Why don't we ask God to do something brand new in our life today? And say, God, use me so that I may help somebody else to come to that real part today to say I'm burying my religion. I'm burying my position. It's in you. And watch what he does. He'll raise it up. Hey, everybody. Just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King. Thank you.